some of those questions and answers before me right now. And the first question was, when is it okay to kiss someone? When is it okay to kiss someone? Pam, age seven, said, when they're rich. (laughs) Kurt, who's also seven, said, the law says you have to be 18, so I wouldn't mess with that. Howard, age eight, had a little bit longer answer. He said, the rule goes like this. If you kiss someone, then you should marry them and have kids with them. It's the right thing to do. (laughs) Another question was asked of kids. Is it better to be single or married? Anita, age nine. I'd like to meet Anita and talk with her for a while. Here's what she says. Is it better to be single or married? It's better for girls to be single, but not for boys. Boys need someone to clean up after them. 
And then my favorite answer of all came from Ricky. Ricky was age 10. The question was, how would you make a marriage work? How would you make a marriage work? And Ricky, age 10, said, tell your wife that she looks pretty even if she looks like a truck. (laughs) Now, there's some counsel, guys. You can take that out and put it to work this week. Tell her she's pretty even if she looks like a truck. You know, a good marriage does not happen by accident. Uh, Someone has noted that marriage is like eating with chopsticks. It looks easy until you try it. And that's the way that marriage is. To have a good marriage takes constant uh, effort and sacrifice and work. And those initial euphoric feelings of the early days of marriage, they quickly wear off and you're left staring reality in the face. You might be looking in the face of a truck. But uh, as one wit described it, before I married Maggie Deer, I was her pumpkin pie, her precious peach and honey boy, the apple of her eye. But after years of married life, this thought I pause to utter, those fancy names are now all gone. I'm just her bread and butter. How do we get back to being pumpkin pie? How do we get back to those types of days? Well, I hope our time together today will help. But i got to give you some, some words of introduction, some words of explanation before I dive into the Scripture. Now, if you'll be finding Proverbs 18, we're going to be there today and then a lot of Scripture. But I want to give you some words of explanation and some words of apology, and some words of introduction. First of all, I want you to understand I'm not an expert when it comes to marriage. I'm a fellow learner. I'm the messenger today, not the resident genius, not the resident expert, believe me. I find it very ironic that um, my wife is hardly ever sick and miss church. And she's sick and miss church today when I'm preaching on the topic of marriage. I, I hope that's not a bad sign. You know, marriage is under attack today, beloved. I'm sure you understand that. So I've got to define my terms up front when I talk about marriage. When I say, say marriage today, I'm talking about the Bible's teaching on marriage. One man, one woman, and a lifelong covenant before God. And so I just want you to understand, we're talking about a holy covenant till death Uh, does them part. Another word of explanation, I have an impossible task before me today. There's no way that I can in 30 minutes do justice to uh, this subject that we're talking about today. Uh, The Bible has so much to say about marriage and relationships, and we're just going to scale the heights and and touch with some of the basics and, and maybe even whet your appetite to explore some more of this in your own. Number four, I want to say this, no marriage is perfect. Why is that? Well, it's because, beloved, you have the combination of two sinners living in a fallen world. You have a combination of two sinners living in a fallen, sin-cursed world. And so, no marriage is perfect. None. But I want to say, fifthly, that every marriage can be better. I believe that with all my heart. And no matter if you've got a super marriage or you're a struggling marriage, your marriage can get better. And as we grow in our faith and growing our relationship with the Lord, we can grow closer to one another. And then I want to say something very important because I'm not got a lot in this category. Even if you're unmarried today, uh, this is God's word I'm proclaiming. And the Bible says that all Scripture is profitable and, and it's helpful and it's right and it's the word of God. Some of you one day will be married. And um, I'll have a few things to say to you along the way, by the way. 
I'll talk to you about what to look for in a marriage partner. Others, maybe you say, I'm never going to get married. God has called me to a life of singleness. And, and that is a biblical thing as well. The Scripture talks about that. And you need to use your singleness for the glory of God. But even if you say, well, I'm never going to get married, or maybe you're a widow or a widower today, listen, if you'll tune in um, to what God says, it's going to be profitable because it's God's Word. And if you've never been married, you don't think you'll ever get married, and you never do, if you'll listen today, you'll understand more your married friends. And uh, you can pray better for them. Plus, can I just say this? If you'll understand more about marriage, you'll understand more about Christ and the church. Because it's a picture of Christ in the church. So what I'm saying is, no matter where you might find yourself today, I want you to tune in for the next few minutes as we dive into God's Word and we look at this whole idea of the good gift of marriage. So, enough introduction. I want to talk to you about the good gift of marriage. And we're going to reference a lot of Scripture today. And I'm going to display almost all the Scripture on the screen because we're going to look at so much. And you can jot the references down and you can look them up later on your own. But I want to take as our text today just one verse of Scripture as our main text. And it's here in Proverbs chapter 18. And it's verse 22. Proverbs 18.22. The Bible says in Proverbs 18.22, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and attains favor from the Lord. Let me read it to you in a couple of different translations. Let me give you the NLT. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure and receives favor from the Lord. Then let me give you the message. Find a good spouse. You find a good life. And even more, the favor of God. Now back to the New King James. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and attains favor from the Lord. I cannot, beloved, emphasize enough just how important marriage really is. I'm not afraid to tell my boys, and I have, that the woman that you marry can really make or break you in life. It's that important to find a good, godly wife. This verse is an interesting verse. It kind of combines the human side and the divine side. Did you notice that? He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. This idea of finding a wife, finding a marriage partner, it brings in the idea that um, humanly you're looking, but then it brings in the divine side. God is at work and is giving favor in giving you a wife. It's not that the, the wife is lost and needs to be found. It's not hide and seek. He who finds the wife. It's the idea of meeting and marrying a good wife or meeting and marrying a good husband. Now think about it. Those that are married here today, out of all the people upon planet Earth, God put you two together. We all have our story. And uh, we all could share our stories. And I like to ask sometimes couples to tell us, uh, you know, how did you end up together? Um... I guess I was the pursuer, and my, my wife isn't here. <laughs> but she might hear this message later. But, but I guess I was the pursuer. And she just wanted to be friends. And we were friends, but I wanted to be more than friends. And I won. <clears throat> but anyway. Oh, I, well. And they are telling you that 
They are, yeah. We're taping this. And, and, and what I just said is absolutely true. And I won't tell you the whole story because her mother's here. But anyway, uh, it's important to remember, beloved, that when you comes to finding a spouse as a believer, we're not left to ourselves. It's not the idea that we're on our own looking and that we're just at the mercy of whatever you know, comes across our path or whoever we meet. We have to remember that a good spouse, there's the Lord involved in this. In fact, let me give you another verse. Proverbs 19, 14. Houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from who? What does it say? From the Lord. And so as a believer, we're not by ourselves when it comes to this. I believe that God has someone for you. He desires you to be married. And so what you do is you seek the Lord and seek His will and seek His direction and trust Him and let Him guide you. Now, ladies, please, don't let the idea that this is explained from the husband's perspective put you off. The Old Testament oftentimes speaks from the husband's perspective. When you go to the New Testament, you know that it speaks directly to the wife at times, some of those key marriage passages. But here, we understand it from the, mar- from the husband's perspective, but we understand we're talking about the wife as well. And so taking Proverbs 18.22, I want to mention to you, first of all, that marriage is a gift from God. You remember, beloved, that marriage comes from the loving heart of God. It's a result of His perfect wisdom and knowing that it was not good for man to be alone. We go all the way back to the beginning book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And then God goes to work, if you remember, Genesis 2, beginning at verse 21 through 25. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. It's the idea of leaving and cleaving, becoming one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were, were not ashamed. Marriage is created by God. He performed the first ceremony. So it's no surprise, beloved, that marriage is good. Marriage is good. Remember our verse? It says in Proverbs 18.22, he who finds a wife, we would imply in that he who finds a husband, finds a good thing, and obtains favor from the Lord. Now listen, just because the institution of marriage is good, and it is, and it's right, and it's godly, that's one of the reasons the enemy is attacking it so in our society, but even though the institution of marriage is good, that doesn't mean that you're automatically going to have what we might call a good marriage. You see, this verse, Proverbs 18.22, it implies that the man is finding... A good wife. We would imply that it's the idea of a lady finding a good husband. Can I just say not all wives are good. Not all husbands are good. And the same book talks about that. Now again, it's talking to the husband's point of view. Look at these verses with me. Proverbs 19.13 A foolish child is a calamity to a father and a quarrelsome wife is as annoying as constant dripping. Be careful. 
Proverbs 21.9. It is better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. It's not done. Proverbs 21.19. It is better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome a complaining wife. It's almost like it's a progression. First the dripping, then he moves in the attic, and then he's in the desert to get away from this quarrelsome, complaining wife. And, beloved, we could say this as well, not all husbands are good. Now, marriage is good, but not all wives are good. Not all husbands are good. Marriage itself is good, though. But listen, knowing you all the way I do, I'm going to assume the best. And I'm going to show you some of the ways that marriage is good. Because I believe we have good husbands. And we have good wives here. We have good families. And we have people that want their marriage to be even better than it's ever been. And so we can't develop these. We can only touch on them. But I want to show you some of the ways that marriage is good. And it's wonderful. First of all, marriage includes pleasure. There's the joy of completing one another. Uh, there's the joy of togetherness. Uh, my wife really is my best friend. She really is. She's my best friend. There's the joy of intimate friendship. There's the joy of sexual union. In fact, Proverbs again, 5, 18 and 19. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. So it's the idea of pleasure. Marriage is good because it brings pleasure. Secondly, it's good because it brings protection. It brings protection. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, God has given us, beloved, sexual desires and they're to be fulfilled within the bounds of holy matrimony. Write this reference down, Hebrews 13.4. Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers God will judge. And so one of the good things that comes about marriage is protection from the judgment of God, from fornication, from adultery, those sorts of things, in meeting these God-given sexual desires in a godly, right way. And so marriage is good because it brings about pleasure. It brings about protection. And then... Procreation. One of the ways that marriage is good is that it brings about new life. Uh, babies come. The original couple. Be fruitful and multiply. I love going downstairs and looking in the nursery. I love to see that God is blessing families. And when they get low, I pray for a new crop to come in. <laughs> Procreation. That's good. Now, after you have the children, and some days it may not feel like it's good, but it's good. <laughs> children are a heritage from the Lord. The one who has his quiver is full is blessed by the Lord. And so you have the idea of procreation. If it were not for that, none of us would be here today. And then, of course, there is the picture that marriage serves. And we can't develop this today, but Ephesians 5, 22-24 talks about that marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. We know that uh, a husband is to give his life for his wife just as Christ gave his life for the church. And guys, we'd be willing to die. And I, and I know you all, and that's the truth. You'd be willing to lay your life down 
for your wife and your children. And these are just some of the ways, just some of the, the highlights, just some of the basic ways that, that marriage is good. But think about your own marriage. Think about all the good, just the good times you've had and the joy you've had and the fellowship that you enjoy because marriage is good. God knew it was not good for man to be alone. He needed a wife. Now, let me give you a couple of side notes. Let me talk to the parents for a moment. We've got to be careful how we talk about marriage in front of our children and with our children. I know the old jokes, you know, you're not getting married till you're 30. You're not dating till you're 40, that kind of stuff. But be careful, be careful not to belittle and make light of this good God-given gift. For I think I could safely say for the majority of our kids, it is going to be God's will. Now, God may call some to singleness, and that's good and right too. The Scripture talks about that. But for a lot of our kids, God's plan is that they are going to grow up and they're going to get married. And that may scare you. It may terrify you. It may frighten you to death. But the idea is we, our job as parents is to help equip them to be godly husbands and godly wives. To help them understand that it's a good gift. It's a right thing. And we look forward to that in their life at the right time. And they have our love and our support in that. And then let me talk to the young people for a moment. And I want to answer this question for you. What makes a good marriage partner anyway? What are you looking for? Well, I cannot really comment on your personal preferences. Whether they have blonde hair or Brown, or they have green eyes, or blue, or they're five foot five, or six foot five, or whatever. I can't comment on that, but let me just tell you something very important. That's really not what's important anyway. Now, if they're good looking, that's a bonus. If she's pretty, great. But that's not the main thing you're looking for. Surely you're attracted to that, and that's fine, and that's right, and that's normal. But I want to talk to you about thinking biblically. Because we're supposed to think biblically about everything as Christians. And so when it comes to marriage, I've got to think biblically. What is it that God says is most important when it comes to me finding someone to get married? Now here's the scary thing about it. Now I don't want to frighten you about it. But think about it, within the next ten years, we could see a lot of weddings here. So what are you looking for? Well, let me just give you some basic things. I don't want to overwhelm you. First of all, here's what you're looking for. You're looking for someone who knows the Lord and loves the Lord. You're looking for someone who knows the Lord and loves the Lord. What do I mean by that? Well, you're looking for somebody, first of all, who's saved. They're saved. You say, well, that's just your opinion. No, it's not just my opinion. Let me show you some scripture. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and 15. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unlawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Of, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? The very basic thing is they need to be saved. They need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're saved, you're going to marry someone who's saved. Now notice I said though that they know and love the Lord. Say, what's the difference? Well, listen, it's not enough that they just say they, they're saved. Or I go to church. No, 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 no. We want someone who knows the Lord and loves the Lord. 
And that's what you want. If you're a Christian young person, you want to know that your wife, your husband is someone who knows the Lord and loves the Lord just like you. And you're equally yoked. And right off the bat, you can establish your home on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's not a battle there already. Listen, if you've got to beg them to come to church and beg them to do things with you when it comes to the Lord, they're not the one. As much as we like to think it, God does not teach missionary dating. You know what missionary dating is, right? Well, they're not saved, but when I get done with them, well, no. Be their friend, share the gospel, be kind to them, but don't form a relationship with them. Because remember, anybody you date, could end up being your husband or wife. That's the way it starts. Did y'all know that? It starts with a date. And so you better think hard about that. First of all, are they saved? Do they love the Lord? And then let me ask something else. They obey and serve the Lord. They obey the Lord and they serve the Lord. It's not enough just that they go to church and you want someone that's serious in their relationship with Jesus Christ to the point where they obey the Lord. And so some things don't become an issue in your relationship with them because they really want to obey and serve the Lord. That takes care of so many things. In other words, beloved, you want to see someone who's growing in godly character. So what do you mean, preacher? Well, watch how they live. Watch how they treat other people. Listen to what they say with their mouths. Listen to what their mind is processing and think, is this someone that really loves Jesus and knows Jesus and obeys you and wants to serve the Lord? And so you begin to watch them and say, listen, is this person a really growing godly person? Let me, let me give you something else very important. Notice how they treat their mom and dad. I've got scripture on that one. Proverbs 19.26 Children who mistreat their father or chase away their mother are an embarrassment and a public disgrace. You don't want somebody like that. If they mistreat their mother or their father, you think they're going to treat you well? I don't care how good looking they are. I don't care how pretty she is. You don't want someone like that. If they can't even treat their parents with respect and authority with respect, you think they're going to respect you and love you and honor you? If they're ungodly, no matter how good looking they are, if they're ungodly, you're going to regret marrying them. You're going to regret it. So you sound mighty passionate about it. I couldn't be more passionate about anything. Because it really will set a pattern in your life. And I've seen it all. Because I sit with a couple before. So excited to get married. Couples that come. And then I've watched others who have gone through the horrors and the difficulty and the pain of breaking up a marriage. It's that important. I sometimes joke about the fact that when I do pre-marriage counseling, I try to talk them out of getting married. There's some here that have taken my pre-marriage counseling. If I tell you that, I'm looking for red flags. I'm just trying to say, are you sure? 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 And if they're sure, we go ahead and we go forward. Now, there are no perfect people and there are no perfect marriages. And I'm not talking about a perfect person, but you want some godly character. They're growing. Let me tell you something else, young people, you need to understand. It would be wise for you to look at their family, too. 
You say, well, I'm not marrying their family. Well, listen, it's a package deal in many regards. You're not marrying their family, but their family comes along as a bonus. And so you might want to look at their family and say, well, what do I think about that? Now, this is a side note. This is my own personal observation. This is not scriptural. You can discount this. But I even think it's good, guys, to take a look at um, her mother and girls, take a look at the father. Because you know what I found is a lot of times when you look at their dad or their mom, you're looking into the future. <laughs> and, and you're seeing what they're going to be like and what they're going to what they're going to be, maybe what they're going to look like. You follow me? You want someone who knows the Lord, serves the Lord, obeys the Lord, wants to honor the Lord? This is the second most important decision you'll ever make in your life. You say, why is it second? Well, the first is the decision to give your life to Jesus Christ. That's number one. But number two is who you're going to spend the rest of your life with. It's more important in your career choice. It's more important than any... I'm telling you, and please hear me. You say, oh, you're an old fuddy-duddy. Ask any one of the adults here what I'm asking, telling you right now. It's the second most important thing you'll decide in your life. Don't get it wrong. Seek the Lord. Pray. Think about, is this someone who's godly? Is this someone who loves the Lord? Is this someone who's going to be a good husband, a good wife that I can serve the Lord together with? I wish we had more time, but we need to renew some vows. But I want to give those that are married here today, I want to give you two tips for keeping the fire burning in your fireplace, all right? And I'm going to keep it real simple uh, because I need simple help too. And I want to make it real... I'm just going to give you two. So you're married, and what can you do to improve your marriage? Well, I'm going to give you two things very quickly. Number one, pray together. Once a day, once a week, at bedtime, make an appointment to do it. Find what works for you as often as you want to do it. But listen, praying together will bring you together in such a way that nothing else can. There's a closeness in that. Praying together will bless your marriage in a tremendous way. It's hard to pray with somebody if you're fussing and fighting and arguing. It's, it's just hard to do. You might go to some of those Old Testament passages where he talks about your enemy, but it's still very difficult to do. But if you'll pray together, maybe just start out just say once a week, just once a week, or maybe at bedtime before you close your eyes, just to pray with your spouse. If you'll pray together, it's amazing what it will do to draw you closer to each other and closer to the Lord. And then the second one, you're going to like this one, play together. Play together. Remember when you were dating? How much fun you had together? You went to the dinner. You went to the movies. You played games. You went roller skating. You went to the park. My wife and I, we threw the softball a lot at college. And I was trying to show off and I'd try to throw it hard. And my arm would kill me later. And, uh, and she'd have pity and get me aspirin. You know, it, was, it, was, it worked. But anyway, it was painful. But, but you had fun together. But then what happens is you get married and slowly it stops. Why? Well, life, bills, kids, 
stress, tiredness, kids, bills, stress, tiredness, bills, kids, stress, right? And, and you say, oh, I'd love to go to I can't even get out of the recliner. You've got to make it a point to spend time together, have fun together. Maybe it's a monthly date or a weekly date or whatever, but go and do something you enjoy together. Make it intentional. And it's amazing what those two things will do, to pray together and play together to make your marriage so much better. Now we're going to renew some vows real quick. We're not going to draw this out. Um, again, if you're not married, you can't do this, okay? This is just for those who are married. But those who want to renew their vows... You come on down and stand in front of me, and uh, we're going to do that right now. We celebrate marriage. We love marriage. We think highly of marriage because God does. So any couples that want to renew your marriage vows, come now, and we're going to do it. You get to kiss in church. You don't get to do this often. Some of you only got to kiss in church once. Some of y'all know you probably kissed in church. People didn't know you were kissing in church, but. She's trying to get away already. Y'all spread on out that way if you would. And get where you can see each other. I want you to take each other's hands and look in each other's eyes. All right? We're going to have post-marriage counseling for these two. All right, everybody come that wants to come. I'll have to bring my wife over later and kiss her in church because she's sick today. Fellas, I want you to look at your wife in the eyes and I want you to repeat after me. I gladly take you again to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for better for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until death do us part as God is my witness. I give you my promise. Now ladies, look him in the eyes. I know it might be hard. He's not as young as he used to be. But he's your sweetheart. And say these words to him. I gladly take you again to be my husband. To have and to hold from this day forward. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. To love and to cherish. Until death do us part, as God is my witness, I give you my promise. Beloved, I pronounce again that you are still husband and wife. What God has joined together, let no man separate. And guys, go ahead. Now listen, we've got to go home soon. Go ahead and give her a big old kiss. Seal that. Now, now wait, I'm going to let you go on back. Don't run out yet. All right, y'all can go on back to your seats. We're going to sing in closing and pray. God bless you.
Now, young people, I want you to think about what I told you today in the Scripture and use it as a guide and a filter. And these couples will soon be leaving on their honeymoons, so we're excited about that. I don't know if we'll get any more nursery (coughs) occupants from this group. We'll see. We'll see. If we do, I will sign up to keep nursery. Listen, this is right. This is good. We love God. We love the good gift. I think the closing hymn we should sing, and I want to pray, and then we're going to sing. It's 170, talking about God's love for us. Oh, how He loves you and me. Before we stand and sing 170, I want to pray, and I want to ask God's blessing on the marriages and the families. So would you go ahead and stand together, and I'm going to pray over us, then we'll sing. Listen, when you start praying for each other with that prayer guide, one of the things you can pray for is each other's marriage. Okay? Pray that God will strengthen the marriage. And then when you see these young people, pray for them. I already pray for my boys' wives. Did you know that? You say, well, you don't know who they are. I don't. But God does. We may may know them. They may be in this service. They may be a thousand miles away. But God knows who they are, and so I pray for them. I encourage you to pray for your kids' spouses, wherever they are, because God knows who they are. Pray God's blessings on them. Pray for their protection, their purity, their growth in Christ. Pray for their family. Pray for their moms and dads. You say, really? Yeah, really. Because God already knows. God's already planned. All right? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the joy that we've had this morning in watching these couples renew their vows taking seriously their love one for another. Bless them, Lord. And bless all of our families and all of the marriages that make up our church family. And I pray for these young people, Lord, that you would protect them and bless them and guide their life. May they find the right man, the right woman, Lord, to spend their life together serving and bringing glory to you. Thank you for your love. Lord, we've already sang about it once or twice, but we want to sing about it one more time. Thank you, Lord, that we have love because you first loved us. You are love. And so, Lord, we give you glory today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close 170. If you need the words, oh, how he loves you and me.